Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. All right, well, let's get into our message tonight. Anybody remember what we've been uh, talking about here on Wednesdays, Sharon? Fruit. There you go. Fruit, fruit, fruit. And so this will be the third installment. I'm sure it's not going to be the last. You know, one of these days I'm going to start doing some one and dones and learn how to do that. Uh, I've been teaching for so many years, it's, uh, I, I really need to learn how to shift gears. Amen. So this is our third installment on fruit. And let's jump in and solicit help. Let's request help from him and get him involved in our business tonight. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you that you're here right now, not only in us and upon us by your spirit and our relationship with you through Jesus Christ, but you're here with us collectively. There's an anointing upon this service, and there is substance that is available to us in this service. And so we claim revelation knowledge. We claim that the eyes of our spirit are being enlightened by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that we will see and know supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, that the Word of God will become alive to us. It'll become personal, it'll become relevant, and it'll become a blueprint of steps that we can take to see the fullness of what you purchased for us. We declare in the name of Jesus that we have ears that hear, eyes that perceive, and a heart that believes. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory to God. Well, let's go on over to John chapter 15. This way we can get the, get circle around this truth and go from there tonight. John 15, 8. And this is Jesus speaking, and he, he tells us of a spiritual principle, or could we say a spiritual truth, that that there is a way that you and I can glorify God or draw attention to God, citing him as our source of that which we're doing. He says it glorifies God when we bear or create. It doesn't say fruit. It says much fruit. Now, if he's saying that we can do this, then that means we can do this with his help. Amen? And... We've been talking about producing fruit. And we've defined fruit as good works towards others. Right? Not good works to go to heaven, because we're already going to heaven. But we're doing good works because that's how the love of God works. Helping others. And fruit is that. It's the act of helping others in the God kind of love. So we've been empowered by the Lord to draw on his life. Remember, he gave us the example of the the vine and the branches. As the branch draws life from the vine, it has the ability at that point to produce fruit. 
and understand that's how we produce godly fruit of pulling on that life flow and allowing it to generate fruit in our life now we talked about there's at least three ways to draw on Jesus have you ever thought of it that way drawing something from Jesus to empower us to do something good towards someone hallelujah well there's at least three ways we can draw on Jesus to do that remember it last week we talked about drawing on the love nature that's in us to produce godly fruit to be led by the Spirit of God to produce godly fruit and also by uh, following Jesus by following the Word of God I like to call the Word of God the blueprint for victorious living hallelujah he's got our if we'll let the Word of God be a light unto our path it'll just give us a pathway of of steps to see God's blessing and provision and victory be ours glory to God amen so we talked last week not necessarily in length but we started this subject matter of how to draw on God's love nature that's in us now understand that all fruit all godly fruit towards someone is an expression of God's love every step of manifesting goodness towards somebody is a act or an expression of the God kind of love and see when you recognize that that we have that nature then it's just natural for us to produce that kind of fruit going over to Romans chapter 5 let's look at verse 5 and this is uh, a truth that just seems to get bigger in my heart as time goes on through the Word of God and through the, the Holy Spirit helping me to see through his eyes Romans 5 5 says that this hope will not disappoint us why not because God's love now this is a this is this would be a good verse if you've got a hard copy to either underline it or to highlight it if you're using a, an app I think there's ways that you can highlight scriptures in there and portions of scriptures and so that's important for us to to start marking up our Bible I heard a, a dirty Bible in terms of it all being marked up you got a good Christian clean Bible dirty Christian <laughs> I, I believe there's a lot of truth to that amen it's God's love this isn't this isn't man's love this isn't the world's love this is not the feeling or emotion that love sometimes manifests this is God's way of loving it has been poured out in our hearts how through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us notice that God's love is now in our hearts actually it's more than that you see the Bible says of God that he is love that any any cell if I could say it that way any part of God if you would put it under a microscope is the love of God he's love in the morning he's love in the afternoon he's love at night amen 
He's always love. Everything that he does is motivated by love. And everything that he does is a manifestation of love. Wow. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? And so notice it says in this verse that his love has been given to us through the Holy Spirit. Well, when did God, the Holy Spirit, come into us? Through the new birth. Amen. Remember, that's the, the first experience we have with the Holy Spirit, is that we are born of the Spirit. So that's when the Holy Spirit came in us, we experienced a spiritual birth. Meaning that our spirit was resurrected and made brand new. Now understand, and we saw this on Sunday in Ephesians 2, 3, that when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, the Holy Spirit came in us and resurrected us in our spirit. The, all, the old fallen nature, the nature of this world, the, actually the nature of the devil was erased. And God's nature was imparted inside of you and me. Now, when we say that God is love, in the same respect, because we are God's offspring and we have been born of God, do you know that you and I are love? Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't have love. It's okay to nod your head in church. Yeah. Amen. We, we don't just have love. Remember, we are made in the likeness and in the image of God. And we have his nature. What is his nature is love. So now our nature is what? Love. Amen. And we need to begin embracing that. You know, we, we talk about that faith's confession creates reality. Faith's confession creates reality. Well, what is a faith confession? It's saying about ourselves what God says about us. And so it would, be, it would be behoove us, it would benefit us, it would help us to create that reality in our heart by saying, I am the love of God. I have God's nature of love in me. It's who I'm made of. It's who I am. Because you and I have to renew our mind and get the world's kind of love out of our system, so to speak. Hallelujah. And we've got to embrace the God kind of love in whom we now are. Glory to God. Now remember, we are loved children born from a love God. He's our daddy. And we're his children. And we're just like him on the inside, right? Glory. Now let's define the God kind of love. It's the ability. You could even say it's the power to love the unlovely. It's an ability, it's a power to love. 
Meaning that you will exert your love on someone regardless of what they're giving towards you. Because you, you have the ability to love. And that also denotes having that willingness to love. That means to love those who didn't earn, deserve, or warrant love. How many people around us qualify for not having earned, deserved, or warrant our love? The, the truth be told, nobody on this ball of dirt has ever or will ever earn, deserve, and warrant God's love. And that's what, that tells you right there that God is love. Amen. And that's where he was able to empower grace with that love. Now, this word love in our culture has been used so much for so many different things that its meaning has been so diluted that people of the world have no clue what love is. And we throw that word around like nobody's business. Come on now. Oh, I just love that sunset. I love my car. Oh, I just love that TV show. Oh, you're going to give your life to that TV show? <laughs> you know, we, we just use it so, so loosely. It, it really it doesn't have the same meaning that it does in the Word of God. And so that's an area that we need to begin to respect what that word means in reference to God and who we now are. Understand that the God kind of love is not a feeling or an emotion. Understand that feelings and emotions can be very deceptive. They create a reality that many times is untrue. Or could I just say temporary? They create a reality that's temporary. How many of you heard this about two people that are breaking up. I love you, but I'm just not in love with you. Yeah. Yeah. What in the world does that mean? If you love a person, you are in love with them. What they're talking about is the feeling of love I had for you is gone. Yeah. And that's why 50% of all Christian marriages end in divorce. Can I hear an ouch? Hallelujah. That, that shouldn't be. And that's because many of us Christians are walking by a worldly love. A love that's governed by what's in it for me. I, I remember this one country song. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how it how it went, the, the uh, Wichita lineman. Um, I, I need you more than I love you, I think was one of the lines in that song. Well, 
yes, we do need the one we love, but if that's the reason we're together, then that's, that, that is a worldly love. Amen? The God kind of love is, I'm here for you. Right? The other thing is, is that we've got to be careful when we use that word to natural things. The God kind of love is reserved for eternal spirits. Those that you're making a commitment to. And so I'm guilty of being too loosey-goosey with that word love. And I'm not really drawing on the vine like I should be in that area. Does that make sense? All right. So here's a, a truth about God's love. Are, are you still in Romans? Where are you at? Yeah, just go down three verses. Go to Romans 5.8. And the King James, as you see on the screen, says that God commendeth his love towards us. Another translation says that he demonstrated his love to us. In the, uh, the Christian Standard Bible, it says that God proves his own love. Now, in our culture, love is expressed with words. Primarily. Primarily. In in the kingdom of God and the, demo, and the manifestation of God's love towards another is done by actions. In, in the kingdom of God, you don't have to tell God you love him. You show him your love by what you do. Remember, Jesus says that he that does my commandments loves me it doesn't say, he that tells me that they love me, love me. No, you, you prove or demonstrate or commendeth your God kind of love towards another and to the Father through behavior, through, through action, through demonstration. You, you show love. You don't tell that you love. And there's a huge difference between it. Because many times there's contradictions between what we say and what we do. But it's, we need to understand that if we're going to walk in this highest kind of love, the God kind of love, then we need to start thinking about what we're doing towards the one we love, not as much as what we're saying towards the one we love. And that's a whole other ball game, isn't it? But if we're going to produce godly fruit, that's what it's going to be about. Hallelujah. Let's read this whole verse. I'm, I'm, I'm reading it from the, the Christian standard. It says that God proves his own love for us. 
in that while we were yet sinners, when we were still unlovable, what happened? Christ demonstrated his love and did something. He died for us. Amen? And so God's love is not emotional. God's love is not simply spoken. And God's love is always accompanied with action. Amen. Now, we got into this a little bit, and this is something that the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart when I was uh, teaching last Wednesday, and he was showing me that I needed to add this to this study, so that's what we've done. You see, again, we've been taught the world kind of love, and its depiction of love is that you give people whatever they need or whatever they want. That if you really love somebody, you would do that for them, and that's not the God kind of love. Hello? So there are different expressions of the God kind of love. And I wish I was taught this, you know, 35 years ago. Because I was thinking that love was bowing your knee to everybody's wants. And that if you didn't, then, boy, you're just not loving them like God would love them. You know, we, 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 we have this romantic view of God sometimes. And we only see one side of his expression towards us. But understand that the God kind of love is going to give you what you need. It's meeting a need. Right? You needed salvation, so he gave his son to meet that need. Well, sometimes you don't necessarily need what you're asking for. Sometimes you need a different expression of love. Amen. So let's, I've got several scriptures. We'll just let the how about we just let the Word of God tell us these different expressions? Is that okay? It's going to do a lot better job than, than, than I can. So I'm over here now in Hebrews 12. And I'm in the sixth verse. This is from the CSB translation. And it's very clear. It says, for the Lord disciplines. Say the Lord disciplines. The one he loves. And then it goes further and says, the King James says, uh, scourges. That's pretty intense. Um, the Christian standard says, punishes every son he receives. Now, remember, when we talk about discipline and when we talk about punishment, it's a lot different than what religious people say. So just get ready for that. Just get ready for that. But I want you to see that there's two different expressions of love in this verse. Discipline and consequences. That's what punishment is. Proverbs 3.11. Don't despise 
the Lord's instruction. And then he says, my son. Another ex expression of God's love towards us is instruction. Don't do this, but do that. Do this this way. Don't do it that way. You under, we need to understand that how God relates to us is how parents need to relate to their children. Amen. This is why the enemy is having a, a total attack on the family unit. This is why there's so many single parents in the world. Because the component of the home is to have both law and grace. Many times the father is law. Many times the wife, the mother, is grace. And you need to have the two working together in the home so the child learns the fullness of their relationship with God and therefore with others. So don't despise the Lord's instructions, my son. Do not loathe his discipline. Don't be weary of his correction, as it says in the King James. For the Lord, he's going to repeat himself here, the Lord disciplines the one he loves just as a father, the son he delights in. We've all heard Proverbs 13, 24, which is still in the Bible, even though our culture is trying to get it removed. Whoever spares the rod, the rod is a depiction of discipline, consequences for harmful behavior. If I don't give the child discipline, it's likened unto hating that child. Because we're not giving him what he needs. Remember, love has an expression to meet a need. L discipline is a love to meet the need to show that our actions have consequences. And there's different levels of authority that we come up against as an individual. First, we come up against the authority in the home. And then we come up against the, the authority in the school. And then if we keep breaking their laws, then we're going to come up against the, the authority of the, the, the police department. And if that doesn't work, then we're going to come up the, with the authority of the armed services, the armed forces we go into. And if we keep violating and ignoring these, these realms of authority to help us hold us into the kind of behavior that is beneficial, then we're going to end up in a place where you can't hurt, hurt anybody. You're now in prison. So what's happening is, is that when we let our children sidestep authority, then we're setting them up to sidestep it at the next level. We could meddle right there for a while. It's interesting. I, 
I'm not telling you as parents to do this, but this is just what Marianne and I did. We sat our, our three kids down. I know we did it with our boys. I'm assuming we did it with our daughter. I just don't remember. But we told them as teenagers that if you ever get arrested, if you ever get thrown into jail, don't call us. You got yourself in there, you get yourself out. Don't, don't call us and ask to, to, to bail you out. Don't ask for any of that stuff. You're there, pay the price. And guess what? Thank goodness they heeded that instruction and never were arrested and never went to jail. It's really quiet in this church tonight, isn't it nice? What a nice atmosphere, so peaceful and quiet. Oh, hallelujah. So if you use the rod, you use boundaries, you use consequences in, in those that are under your authority, it says that in this Proverbs 13, 24, it says that you love that person because you're diligent to discipline them. Hebrews 12, 11, spending too much time on these things. Let's get through this for, for the moment. How long? The moment. All discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, and that's on both sides of the ledger. I never enjoyed disciplining my children. Never. I never enjoyed that. But it's, it's temporary. It's unpleasant for a short amount of time. But later, when? Later. After the discipline, it says it yields the peaceful fruit. Isn't that what we're trying to get? Fruit. Yeah. It yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those that have been trained by it. Now, you... This goes without saying is that there, there are types of discipline and there are ways of discipline that are not of God. You're, uh, if you're doing it in anger, if you're doing it to be revengeful, if, you, if you're doing it, you know, for unwarranted reasons, if you're over the top, if you're quick to judge and if you don't talk these things out with them to find out exactly what did happen, You understand? I mean, I'm not saying that we should be beating our kids up all the time. But they have to learn boundaries. Train up a child, it says in Hebrews 22:6. Train up a child in the way he should go. That's talking about instruction. That's showing that, that's talking about training by example. Don't tell your child not to do something and, that, and yet all the time you're doing it. I don't want you to smoke cigarettes. Well, then you better not be smoking. I don't want you out drinking on Friday night. Well, then you better not be home drinking on Friday night. You understand what I'm saying? Well, I'm an adult. What's that got to do with it? You mean, well, let's not even go there. That has nothing to do with it. You, you, when you're a godly example... There's some things that is not prudent to be doing. And you forego what 
whatever physical or mental enjoyment you get out of it. I don't want you watching those kind of movies. Well, you better not be watching them. Well, I'm an adult. Again, that's a real stupid reason. A child will do what you say until they become a teenager, and then they're going to do what you did. You're showing them how to live. You're showing them how to treat other people. You're showing them in everything that you do. You're a living example. And they're going to follow you. It's, it's a principle. God put it in a child to imitate their parents. And that's what we're doing as children of God. We're imitating him. So guess what? When we imitate God in the home, we're now giving advertisement for having a relationship with God. Proverbs 23, 13 through 15. Don't withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die. <laughs> God looks at things really different, doesn't he? If you, if you strike him with a rod, you will save his soul from hell. My son, if your heart is wise, my heart too will be glad. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Bring them up. How? In discipline and instruction of the Lord. So we're looking at the multiple expressions of love. Love is not always giving what an individual wants or needs. Maybe they have to go without for a while to figure out what they squandered to get to where they are. That can be very helpful to them. And if they're blaming other people for their situation, then when you give to them, then you're enforcing that they have no responsibility. So the Lord uses... Discipline, correction, instruction to train those he loves. Now understand that God does not discipline, God does not correct, God does not instruct, God does not train by making somebody sick. He, he doesn't cause calamity to come to a person's life, or should I say he doesn't commission calamity to come to a person's life to teach you or to train you. That's not how God does it. Well, how does he? Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 3. Well, I'm glad you guys are here tonight. This is good stuff. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All Scripture... How much of it? All scripture is inspired or God-breathed. And it is profitable. It is beneficial for what? Teaching. Rebuking. Correcting. For training. Could we also add discipline? Those in righteousness. King James says it's profitable for doctrine, that which, which, that which we believe, to reproof, 
To, to reproof somebody is to point out their mistakes for correction, for instruction or training in how to live right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And so there are different expressions of God's love. Let's, uh, let's read this verse in the Amplified. I think I'm going to cut you loose tonight. I'm going to read that same verse that we just read from the, both the King James and the Christian Standard. And let's read it from the Amplified. We're talking about different expressions of how God will love us. And when he gives you instruction, he's proving that he loves you. If he rebukes you or, or, or tells us, don't do that through the word of God, then guess what? He's telling that to us so we don't put our hand on a hot stove. Now see, when we make a mistake, when we get out of the boundaries and we do something wrong, his grace will forgive us instantly. But in this world, there's going to be ramifications you're going to have to pay for. For instance, uh, you steal from somebody, you get apprehended by the police, you're convicted and they throw you in jail. Well, in that jail cell, you can say, Lord, I am so sorry. What I did was wrong. You told me not to steal, and I did. I'm so sorry. I repent. And right there, you confessed your sins. You're forgiven. You're right with God. But guess what? You're going to have to pay the consequences with natural law. And you're going to have to enjoy that food they're serving in that jail, that prison, that penitentiary. Amen? There, there's, there's, <laughs> hallelujah. And that's why he told us not to steal. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, boy, we're just, we're just, we're just having fun tonight. Amen. Now, now get, get on over here in 2 Timothy 3.16. Now, this is going to be from the Amplified. It's amped up a little bit. And I'm going to be reading both the 16th and 17th verses. He says, all scripture is God-breathed. It's given by divine inspiration and is profitable for instruction, for conviction of sin, for correction of error and restoration to obedience, for training in righteousness, learning to live, in conformity to God's will, both privately and publicly, behaving honorably with personal integrity and moral courage. You see all that that the Word does? Not one place in here do I see that sickness is involved in His training. Not once do I see that poverty is involved. Not once do I see that, you know, lightning's going to hit you. Remember we used to say, before we were saved, boy, if I ever went in, into a church, the roof would fall in. Well, that's ridiculous. God's not after anybody. If he was after everybody, they'd already be God. Amen. We'd all be toast. That's right. We'd all be treading water. 
No. He judged you on the cross. Jesus was beaten for you. Jesus was spit upon for you. Jesus was had that thorn of the crown of thorns pierced into his scalp for you. He hung there on my cross and suffocated for you. That spear went through his side for you. He was mocked and made fun of and harassed on the cross for you. And then he paid the penalty of our sin in hell for three days for you and for me. Why would he come after us now? We've already been judged. No, he's showing us from his book. He uses his book, his word to discipline, to correct. Amen? Verse 17. I'm using these different expressions of love, so to speak. That's my own uh, my own words. Then verse 17 says, so that the man of God may be complete and proficient, outfitted and thoroughly equipped for every good work. Amen. Father, tonight we want to thank you for your love. Your love is such, Lord, is that you give it to the unlovely. Not one of us has deserved your grace. Not one of us has deserved forgiveness. Not one of us has deserved salvation. Not one of us has deserved the, the blessings of God. Not one of us has have deserved a right standing with you, an audience with you, a relationship with you. Not one of us has earned your favor. But because you're good and because you're love, you freely and willingly have given us your love. You did it through your son. You gave us Jesus to be our substitute, to be our scapegoat, to be that intercessor that took our place for the sole purpose that we would not be punished. That Jesus would be punished in our place. And then you gave us all of your good and blessing instead. Thank you so much. And so it seems reasonable. It, it's, it's, it's very understanding now from that point of view that if we've been loved that way, not earning it, not deserving it, then why shouldn't we do the same towards others? It's only logical. It's only logical. We've been forgiven of a debt that is astronomical. And the debt that other, others owe us 
is so is so much smaller than what we've already received. So we want to be that steward, that recipient of your love, that we use that same love that we've received for ourselves and to bestow it towards others in the way of fruit, good works towards them. And Father, we know that when we do walk in your love, we are demonstrating you. We are revealing you. We are mimicking and imitating you. And that's why they will know that we're your followers, we're your disciples, we are your children. And that will help them to embrace the love themselves. Thank you so much, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you so much for coming out. Uh, I knew we weren't going to get finished. Um, we may or may not finish this portion of it and go on to the next uh, two ways to draw on God's love, but we'll see. We'll see what he says. How's that sound? Amen? All right, God bless you. We'll see you next time.